Thanks for joining us today for Our Joy Project, a podcast created by Bayes Communications. I'm Kelly Young, your host. Our Joy Project is a personal passion project of mine. I'm making it part of my mission to find and share joy. I'll talk to my guests about joy, how they define it, their last experience with it, and how they share it with others. This podcast isn't about my joy, though. It's really about our joy. During times when things around us feel so dark and there's a lot of negative energy around us, I believe we can still spark joy. This is Our Joy Project. Thanks for listening. Howie Politics and State Affairs Pro offer insider election coverage, polling, and analysis in Indiana. Our nonpartisan news and legislative tools create a winning combination pro subscribers can't live without. For all the resources you need this election season and beyond, visit pro.stateaffairs.com slash in. That's pro.stateaffairs.com slash in. Hi, friends. I'm Kelly Young. And as you know, I am on the search to find joy and share joy. And today I am so thrilled to talk to Dr. Angela Gurrell. I actually discovered her when a friend sent me an article, Finding Joy in 2020. It's not such an absurd idea, really. It's an article that she wrote, but also it alludes to her book, The Gravity of Joy. So um, I was thrilled to track you down, uh, Angela, and find you on social media, and then even more thrilled when you responded and and were willing to do this conversation with me. So I will allow you and have you introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, first, thank you so much for having me with you today. I'm really delighted to be talking to you today, especially because um, we both share a passion for thinking about the subject joy, which I think um, more than ever (laughs) in this moment that we find ourselves in, um, in 2020, with so many different things that people are dealing with that are incredibly difficult, the work of joy, the work of understanding it, of becoming more open to it, I think is more essential than ever. So thank you so much for your passion project. And for having me with you, I am um, assistant professor of practical theology at Baylor University. I actually work at the seminary there and I teach courses and um, specialize in meaning making, uh, formation and education, joy, of course, and also in um, the new media landscape. And so um, about until I I only came to Baylor about a year and a few months ago. So I, I was hired at Baylor summer 2019. Um, And before that, I worked for three and a half years at Yale, and I worked on the Theology of Joy and the Good Life Project. So in March 2016, yeah, in March 2016, I was hired to research joy. That was literally the job I was hired. I could not believe it. Um, When you're finishing a PhD and you get offered a job like that, it's um, pretty incredible. So Wow, um, that yeah. is incredible. You should roll with this podcast. I'll just kind of sit back and let you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, over the three and a half years that I worked on the Joy Project, we had 240 or 239, I think is the exact number, scholars from over 140 institutions around the world who came to Yale or who came to different research consultations to talk about joy. And they shared papers and their insights. We had multiple conversations. It's amazing. So um, wow. In, yeah, in summer 2018, I decided to write a book about um, what we had discovered along the way as a collective, you know, group. And so um, my book, though, tells stories. Um, so it's basically it's a it's a yeah it's a book of stories 
um, but that throughout it that's integrating all the sort of like um, illuminations that these scholars and myself had about joy over the three and a half years that we worked together. And so what I'm trying to do is to make our research on joy accessible to everyday people through storytelling. So there's lots of endnotes if you're, you know, if you want to nerd out at the end and like look at all, like all the research that supported these stories, um, that's fine. But if you don't, like you can just read the story, you know? So yeah, this book, The Gravity of Joy, A Story of Being Lost and Found um, is available for pre-order right now and it's coming out on March 9th. That is so awesome. I knew this was going to be a great conversation because as I was reading through and, and learning more about you, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's super smart. As I said, I was like, I'm kind of intimidated by this conversation today, but we're both great people, go, both trying to share yeah. and spread joy. So um, we just do it in different ways and have different resources and connections. So that's, that's yeah. awesome. Um, before we get into the questions, where can people find out more about the book and also find out more about the work that you're doing? Yeah, so my book is being published by Erdman. So you can go to Erdman's website. Um, you could also go to Amazon. Um, it's certainly being sold there right now. Um, I'm not sure. It is going to be sold eventually, like everywhere that you can buy books, basically, like Barnes and Noble, Target, et cetera. So, um, and then hopefully in, um, you know, your independent bookshops. So if you want to, you know, support your local bookstore owner, you could also ask them to order it um, from Erdman's and then, um, you know, you could support them as well. Um, and then they can find me, anybody can find me and be able to contact me either by just uh, Googling Angela Gorell, G-O-R-R-E-L-L. Um, I work at Baylor, so it's very easy to, to find my contact info. And then, um, but I also have a website, um, angelagorell.com. Um, and then I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram at Angela Gorell is my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle. So you can find me, find me online. Um, it's pretty, if you just Google me, you can find me. And um, yeah, I would love to connect with, with anyone who wants to chat. So, and I love that you are responsive because it is one of those, you know, here I am in Indianapolis with a small little passion project that I just kicked off two months ago and you were so kind to respond and then willing to uh, talk as well too. And I would encourage people to definitely look you up and look up your resources as well too. I, I believe you have a weekly newsletter um, so uh, people can can continue that joy and can, can continue to, to find out more about the work that you're doing as well too. And yeah, so yeah. If you if you subscribe, then um, I'm gonna have um, I'm gonna start out 2021 with like 30 or 40 days of joy, and so every day I'll be sharing memes and then like thoughts about um, so like memes with quotes from my book and from other people about joy, and so and like little anecdotes and like sort of practices you can take on and stuff like that. I'm also creating a guided project about joy for uh, Coursera, the online platform where you can, you know, learn new things if you want to and stuff. So um, if you subscribe on my website, then you'll get um, information about, you know, when these things are happening. And I'm also going to be giving out some prizes to people who, um, you know, participate in things as well in the coming weeks. So um, oh my gosh. I think December, December will be pretty quiet for me, but I'm going to pick this back up um, the first week of January. So. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm excited about that. We'll have a year of joy. We need that as well too at this time. Um, well, thank you so much for that and, and giving us some ways that we can, can stay connected with you as well too. We'll go ahead and ask the questions now and, and uh, get your responses on those. As you know, there are three simple questions. There's no right or wrong answer and everybody has different responses, which has been fantastic to learn. But the first question is, uh, how do you define joy? I think that joy is the effect or the feeling that we get 
when we recognize and feel connected to what is truthful, meaningful, uh, what is good, what is beautiful, um, or when we recognize and feel connected to other people. So generally our connection to others, beauty, truth, meaning, goodness. So we see that we see something like, you know, meaningful or beautiful, and then we sense, so we recognize it as such, like as good, as meaningful, as truthful. We see someone else and we feel connected to them or to what is truthful or meaningful. We feel like it has something to do with our life. Joy is a deep, profound emotion um, that can, which is, yeah. And I think that this is why joy is essentially like different from happiness is that whereas happiness doesn't have, has a low tolerance for suffering and pain, joy can be felt even in the midst of suffering and pain because we can still recognize and feel connected to others. Mm -hmm. We can still recognize and feel connected to truth, to meaning, to what is good, to what is beautiful in our lives, even when we're suffering. Yeah, and you wrote in your article, Beautiful Connection, about um, a star shining over when you went to see, it was a cousin, uh, cousin's after a funeral, um, he had committed suicide and you guys felt connected when you went to that site and that space and saw that star shining over to you. I thought that was a beautiful story that you shared. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what's wild about, about my story. I mean, what you'll read in the gravity of joy is that eight months into working on the joy project, um, I got word that my cousin's husband, Dustin had died by suicide and, um, it was, hands down up until that moment, like the most heartbreaking news I had ever received. It literally took my breath away. It is the kind of thing that just, um, you're, it's, it's so shocking. And so, I mean, anyone who's loved someone who died by suicide, it's so shocking that they could be hurting so badly that they could feel like that this was the only thing that would bring them, <clears throat> that would bring them relief from their pain. Um, and so, because, and you just wish you could have known. I think everyone feels like after someone they love um, dies by suicide, you wish like, if I had known that you needed relief from your pain, like in this way, like if I had known how much you were hurting, I would have fill in the blank, Something you know? Yeah. And so you just feel so powerless. Um, and then I returned from, um, Dustin's funeral. And yes, so that week, it was actually before his funeral, we went to the place where he died and um, a group of family members. And um, it was a barren place, um, but it was, there was a beauty to it. And I think because we felt, we felt, we felt near to him there, you know, we felt like, um, and then we saw this star, just this one bright shining star in the sky. And as we stood there together and looked, I mean, one of us said, like, is there any other star, you know, and we're like, no, like, there's just this one bright star. And we thought, like, we all just like cried. But for the first time since we had found out that he died, like it was, I think for all of us, <clears throat> you know, actually tears of joy, because we felt, I think in that moment, both connected to him and the sense that he had finally like found relief from his pain, even if it wasn't the kind of relief that we wanted for him. Um, but then what's wild is that two weeks after my, um, after Dustin died, my nephew died at 22 years old um, of sudden cardiac arrest. Wow. And then, yeah. And then, um, so I gave the obituary at his funeral, I spoke at Dustin's funeral too. Um, and then got back 
on from uh, Mason's funeral, my nephew on a Sunday. And then um, my dad died on Thursday, five, four days later. And so I, and I was with him when my, when my dad died. Um, and so in four weeks, I lost three family members very suddenly, wow. um, all while studying joy at Yale. So my book is about that. It is about what does it mean to understand and remain open to joy in the midst of suffering. Thank you for sharing that personal story. I felt like that was um, a beautiful way to explain that you can be connected to joy, even in the midst of such tragedy and, and sadness and darkness as well, too. And you do mention the gateways to joy and, and preparing and becoming open to joy. And um, I love that you opened yourself up as you were um, experiencing that pain as well, too. Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, I think that we can't make joy. That's what I argue in my book, like, and in our research, I don't think we make joy, like we make spaghetti. It's not like we like do this and then we do that. And then like, ta-da, joy, you know, dang it. <laughs> but, but I know we, but we can choose to rejoice over something. Rejoicing is a choice, but the feeling of, of joy is a gift. We can't make it. it. It's a gift, but we can become open to it. We can be postured for it. We can set another seat at the dinner table in expectation of it, so to speak, you know? And so, um, and then, yeah, I think there are different kinds of joy, which maybe we're going to talk about, but basically what I argue in my book is that um, that star in the park is a particular kind of sobering joy that uh, the priest Alexander Schmemann called bright sorrow. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this says, there's this idea that we can have moments in the midst of profound grief and suffering where we allow the tragedy or the crisis to hang in the background for just a moment so that we can rejoice over what is good, what is what is beautiful, what is the connect, you know, like the relationship we have with this person or whatever. And so, and he called that, yeah, in his journals, a bright sorrow, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's neat. Well, speaking of joy and different types of joy, I, my second question is really around that. When was the last time you really experienced joy recently? Yeah, I love this question. Yeah, I love this question. I'm so glad you asked everyone this because I think that another kind of joy that's really important is retrospective joy. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea that we can, it's a backward looking joy, um, which is also very powerful in a year like 2020. It's like, you know, it's important to be able to have a moment or like have times when we actually think back to times we felt joy and we walk through them in our mind or we tell someone a story about it, like I'm going to tell you. And then in doing that, sometimes we can experience that joy again, and sometimes even more acutely. Um, so I think retrospective joy can be an, like an incredible gift in the midst of um, you know a difficult time, like 2020 is for so many of us. So um, a few months ago, my nephew, Ro, he was two at the time, he turned three in June, but this was probably in May. And I just remember, this is very, a very, like a memory I will carry with me for a very long time. Um, I don't have children. And so um, this is not, you know, being like waking up with children is not like a thing that I'm very aware of <laughs> that I really, you know, that happens to me, right. but I was, he was, he was staying with me and um, he wakes up and he comes into the living room and I am sitting there and I just, I'm only been up for like a few minutes before him. And he comes and he just like gets on my lap and he like gives me a big old hug around my neck and he like kisses my cheek. He's a lover. Like he like 
like puts a huge kiss on my cheek. Uh-huh. He's like angel. And he calls me angel. Only Aww. my niece and nephew, only Rowan and Andy call me angel. But, um, so he called me, he was like, angel, wake up, wake up. The sun is up. The sun is here. And, um, you know, and it was, there was something in that moment where I really did. I felt this just overwhelming, beautiful sense of joy because I felt like, um, first of all, I love him so much because he's my sister's kid and he's such a delightful little human being. He makes me laugh so hard and he's just so full of love. But I just, I felt like he reminded me in that moment of this, of um, like God's mercies are, are new every morning. That like, there's something about a new day that can be rejoiced over that like, he's right, you know, wake up. Like, let's be alive, Angela. Like the sun is here, you know, it's a new day. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, He may not want to watch it or maybe he will, but the, the movie frozen, there's a scene where the little, the girls come in and they're like, the sky, the sky's awake. So I'm awake. And so (laughs) that's true. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. That's great. Um, My third question is around this idea notion of sharing and spreading joy. So in your opinion and your thoughts and, and, uh, research or just your own personal, how are you sharing and how can we share and spread joy? Yeah. So, um, Brene Brown has the, um, the researcher and author has, uh, she talks about collective joy and collective sadness. I think that we need more spaces in, um, our lives where we have like spaces for lament and spaces for joy that are literally designed for that reason. So, um, and that could be digital spaces, like, you know, a Zoom conversation could be a space of joy, or it could be a physical space. Um, And so, uh, because, and like, you know, this joy, when people gather together and they share stories of times, like we just did, of like times that we have rejoiced over something or when we felt this like deep joy, as we share with one another, joy is infectious joy you know what I mean we can catch it that's Mm. the thing that's so great about joy and so but we have to have permission to be joyful many people need permission to experience basically every emotion that we have people shove emotions under the rug all the time so a lot of we need permission but especially we need permission for joy and lament those are two things that I think we often want to make more private because we think um First of all, joy, as Brene Brown has said too, it does scare us because the moment we feel deep joy, we wonder when's the other shoe going to drop? Like, when am I not going to feel this anymore? Sort of the moment that you feel it, you want it so badly to stay and know that it can't. And so you get nervous about it, you know, giving yourself over to it. Mary Oliver has a poem about giving ourselves over to joy. It's very important. So we have to create spaces where people are invited into joy you've done this. This is your space. This is what you're doing. This is precisely how I think we share joy. We create spaces where people can express joy. We give people permission to share their joy. And then that's, that's how it gets, you know, passed on to other people. 
I love it. Wow. I knew this was going to be a great conversation. I, I This could go on and on and on. I know. Um, I do. I know I only asked the three questions. I'm going to sneak another question in here really quick um, because I think it's important. You talk about multiple types of joy and you mentioned a few already. Can you maybe mention two or three other types of joy that, um, that you think are so important? Or I'm, I'm sure they're all important, but any that kind of stick out in your mind? Yeah. So Absolutely. Um, joy, it's such an interesting emotion because it's like one of the probably, I, I don't know that any other positive emotion can be um, modified the way that joy can. Like joy has, you can put so many different kinds of modifiers on it, like sort of ways of describing different, you know, so there really are numerous kinds of joy, like sobering joy, joy, you know, like I described in a moment that's similar to bright sorrow. So it's a sort of some like this sense that, um, oh, wow. Um, this, what I'm experiencing right now is very profound. Like this feels um, like I'm getting at the marrow of life's, you know, or something like that. There's also redemptive joy, um, joy that comes after forgiveness and reconciliation has occurred. Um, there's also restorative joy. I think joy that comes um, in sobriety for people um, there's like, you know, a joy, like when somebody posts, like I've been sober for six months or for mm -hmm. one year, that's a restorative joy that like, I've been able to stay, you know, stay committed to this. Um, there's also futuristic joy. So I talked about backward looking joy, retrospective joy, futuristic joy. It's the joy that comes with believing that you will feel joy again, no matter what today brings, no matter how you feel right now. It's the joy that comes with trusting and believing that one day you will feel, you will be able to see goodness again and feel connected to it. You will be able to recognize your relationship with someone else and feel deeply like connected to them, you know? So it's this sort of trust that, and it's a delighting over what is to come, the joy that is to come, yeah. I love that. And that's how I love to be thinking about 2021, right? So we've got mm -hmm. futuristic joy, 2021, trusting and believing that it's going to be a great, a better year, a mm -hmm. uh, great year. And I'm looking forward to your book coming out in March. And I'm looking forward to following you in January and, and some of the challenges and the memes and everything that you have planned uh, for 2021 as well too. So thank you so much for spending a little bit of extra time with us today yeah. to talk about joy and, and also to, to allow me to kind of sneak in a few extra questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you for letting me elaborate on a little bit more of, you know, maybe it wasn't what you were expecting, but like why, um, you know, why I wrote the book that I did and all that stuff. And so, yeah, thanks for letting me share a little bit about the Joy Project at Yale and what we came up with. And thanks for what you do every day. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to our Joy Podcast brought to you by Bayes Communications. If you want to share your joy with us, or if you want to learn more about the work we do at Bayes, send me an email at kelly at bayescommunications.com. That's Kelly with a Y and Bayes, B-A-I-S-E, communications with an S at the end. You can also follow us on Facebook at Our Joy Project. Until next time, choose joy and be kind to one another.